Stanford University. Yes, I'm Volkan Eriksson. I'm the group CTO of Ericsson. <coughs> I've been that since uh, 2003, but I joined the Ericsson in 1986. I've been with Ericsson for 24 years, which is longer than most people stay with a company in Silicon Valley, I've learned. Um, <laughs> and that was at the time when we were started working on GSM with a business plan that one day there would be 25 million subscribers on GSM. Now it's uh, almost 5 billion, so we were off a little bit. <laughs> And when you hear these numbers, like there are 400 million phones and that, when you think about it, there's 1.2 billion phones basically sold every year. That's a lot, but what is it really? That's 30 phones per second. Just the logistics to sell. And you can, the human ear can hear down to 20 hertz, so you will actually be able to hear it if you could listen to it. <laughs> uh, okay, with uh, that I will move on into, let me dive into China and then I will talk about the, the data explosion in the world and what we are doing. This is uh, some stats similar to what you saw in the video. The largest operators in the world, number one, is China Mobile with 528 million subscribers. That's almost twice the population of the US, not really, but almost. And then you have China Unicom on number five. So the top operators there are, are Chinese. Mobile reported subscriptions uh, by the end of 2000, or this quarter was about 750 million in China. US is number three, with almost a third of that number. And net additions, now India has passed China in net additions, but there are uh, net additions uh, coming in there on 28 million uh, per quarter. So a lot of growth in, in this space, of course. Then also referenced in this video was the amount of money you spend, but also if you look at it as share of your disposable income, you have China and US there, it's of course a lot less, almost a factor of 10 less in uh, in uh, China than in the US, but if you take the green curve there, it's about the same percentage of your disposable income you spend on telecommunication in China and, and in the US. So it also scales. And uh, you heard that in the video also, that it's very, very lucrative to be connected. Everybody wants to be connected. It's about 4% here, which is roughly what you have across the board in the world. Ericsson in, in China then, in the video it says we came there in 1980. In fact, uh, we sold our first uh, phone in China one year after Stanford University was founded in 92. Uh, That's a one year celebration of the Stanford University. No, it's really, <laughs> but it was almost. And then we went into our first digital switch in 81 and, and so on. And now we are 9,000 employees and 27 offices and about 10 different joint ventures around China. And at this gigantic uh, mobile phone market in, in China, Ericsson has about a 40% market share. So we are very Chinese in our operation. We only have 1% of our revenue in, in Sweden. We've always been a sort of global company because Sweden is so small compared to everything else in the world, basically. Now we have a vision, of course, because we are reaching, now this quarter we will reach 5 billion subscriptions in the world, and we are only 7 billion people, so we have to move on beyond people. Uh, so our, our vision is uh, 50 billion connected devices. Uh, and anything that will benefit from being connected will have a connection to the internet or to the cloud or whatever you want to call it. And that would be basically everything uh, that you can think of. 
think of thing, everything that has an electric engine today that you didn't think would have one 20 years ago. But today you have a few of them in your bathroom cabinet or in your toothbrushes. And they will have 4G connections also in a few years so that uh, your dentist can be up to speed on what you are doing and not doing <laughs> according to your latest visits when they told you to be a little bit more thorough in the back there. So this is our uh, forecast. We connected half a billion places, then 5 billion people, and now towards 50 billion connected devices. It's a factor of 10 every time. Uh, and uh, I, many years ago, things I call it, there are more pockets than people <coughs> in the world. We have devices everywhere, right? Two smartphones, and I, so it's places, people, and pockets. But we have moved on beyond pockets also. Everything that will have your smart meter or your boat or your car and you will probably have lots of devices only in your car that want to communicate with things. And why will all this be mobile? Well, because of the convenience of mobile. But what limitations will there be? Not so much. Uh, this is how the fixed evolution has gone over the last, say, 30 years with uh, bandwidth speeds and, and other speeds. This is what is happening on the mobile. Exactly the same, only seven, eight years lag, and then you have the same performance. With the added convenience of being connected everywhere. So I'm saying now with, with 3D and 4D, we are building in the world, and sometimes I said in, in, in visible, which is it's everywhere here in the room, uh, connectivity layer of about multi-megabit capability. So I can just sort of stick my smartphone here, and I have connection through this multi-megabit. It's not Wi-Fi, it's sort of 3D, 4D. Wherever you are, you, have, you are connected to the cloud. So where is the cloud? Is the cloud in a big server room? I prefer to think more of the cloud is in the air. It's here. You just stick your smartphone into it, and there you are. The thing is you need connectivity. Without connectivity, the cloud is useless, and your mobile device is useless. And I was in a panel uh, last week together with Obama CTO Vanesh, and he talked about the Obama administration's sort of two pillars, cloud and mobility. But remember, those pillars are worthless without the connectivity. So I will talk a little bit about connectivity. With this connectivity, everything attracts or gravitates towards mobile broadband. Both the PC multimedia industry, the TV industry, fixed phones, mobile terminals. Of course, there will still be for high definition TV the need for fixed. And fixed will be there. And the industry almost works like this. You had your fixed line, and then you got your mobile phone, and you can sit a debate with yourself, should I really keep my fixed line now I have my mobile phone? At least some parts in the world have better coverage than the US, so you really could have that discussion with yourself. And then came DSL, okay, DSL, I keep my fixed line for DSL, okay, uh, that makes sense. Now comes mobile broadband, so shall I really keep my DSL? Well, here comes high definition TV, you need to keep your fixed. So there's always something that makes you keep your fixed, but uh, it's only those sort of five, half a billion places where you have fixed, and it will not be that many more, even though you will upgrade the optical, but it's, when you don't have a fixed installation already, a lot of it will be going through mobile. And that is what this chart is trying to illustrate. The dark is fixed broadband, and the blue is mobile broadband. And you see there will be a factor of uh, five difference more. At least 2014, 80% of all the broadband connections will be mobile. And that's not so strange, because that is the difference since we have on the fixed. We have half a billion fixed points connected, and we have five billion mobile subscriptions. So this is a factor of 10 difference between fixed and mobile. On the telephony space, the same will come through also on the broadband space to a large extent. So mobile broadband is the dominating broadband. And this is real measured data.
from from Ericsson networks around the world, but with with the market share, we say this represent we have about forty percent market share. So this represents very much what's happening in the world. We can just scale it to the what, what's happening. And then the blue air is voice traffic in the all networks in the world, and the more darker purple is data. And you see in around Christmas last year, data passed voice. And it's now going to leave voice behind forever. But voice is growing, yes, linearly, but data is going to double every year for the coming five years at least. If you double something five times, you come to a factor of 30. And uh, that sounds a lot, 30 times more data than voice. Is that really realistic? And that's very realistic. It's, it's going to be much more than that. A normal, an average person in the world talks 300 minutes on his mobile phone every month. In the US, it's more like 1,000 minutes. In Germany, it's 70. So on average, it becomes to 300. Uh, 300 minutes, how much is that? That is 20 megabyte. This PowerPoint presentation is 6 megabyte. So that's about uh, one and a half week worth of talking, just this one. But say, say if I have a few attachments in, uh, in my email every day, I have 20 megabyte of attachments in my mailbox every day. So I have the same data in my Outlook inbox every day as I talk in a month. So I only have to synchronize once a day, that's 30 days in a month, which is the same as two times five, which is a doubling for five years. So only by synchronizing my mailbox, I will do that. And then I haven't even started looking at YouTube yet and all these other things. So for sure, there will be a lot of data in these mobile networks. And what standard will it be? If we down now to the technical details, there are three main standards track in the world, and one is called the 3GPP, that's the GSM, Wideband CDMA, HSPA, LTE standards track. That is, you see the blue here, that's a clearly dominating standard. You see red down there, CDMA, that is the technology that Verizon is having, and it's a very successful network. It's probably the best network in the world, if you look at some statistics. But that was not a large standard enough to continue doing the R&D investments to go forward into 4G. That is that Verizon shifted over to LTE, which is the green you see up there, which is part of the blue family, the 3GPP family. And you also see the mobile WiMAX there in yellow, if you zoom in. That's not going to be very big in the world. That is also a reason. So this is how the standard track developed going forward. You have the so-called GSM track with the GSM, Wideband CDMA, HSPA. On that, you can see there's a very long acronym there. So you really have to be into this business to understand. It's TDSCDMA, HSPA. Stands for time division uh, and so on and so on. Anyway, that's the so-called 3G China, Chinese 3G standard. The Chinese 3G standard that is now driven by China Mobile is also part of the 3GPP family, as you know that. That's part of, sort of the GSM family. It's a cousin to GSM. They are all going into LTE now. And you see the blue arrow that bends after. That's basically Verizon's choice to go there. But also Metro PCS and other operators are going into LTE. And then the YMAX track is, is down there. Uh, that's a standard, standardized by IEEE. These are roughly the percentage splits that we will see in these technologies at 2014. About 90% on, on GSM track, 10% on the CDMA track, and 1% on the YMAX track. They don't sum up to 100, but they have to round it up somehow. Uh, if I round it up to even fives, it would not have been so nice to the IEEE standard, so that's why I kept it at 1%. But this is where the world is going. So the dominant standard, and this is just now about managing the pipe and, and, and 
then you have to do that as cost effectively as possible. And cost efficiency sits in scale. That is why the TDPP. And of course, with the mobile device, you are roaming around. One day you are here, one day you are in China, one day you are in Europe. Then of course you want to have the most well-spread standard, otherwise your phone will not work. For instance, the middle track and the CDMA track does not work in Europe. So you cannot bring that phone to Europe. While the GSM tracks works every, everywhere. With wideband CDMA, it also works in, in Japan for since many years now. Another important part of the whole ICT sector we'll just spend a few minutes on is the, the sustainability aspect. And this is also an important aspect in China. The, the ICT sector, the, all the information, computer, and telephony, and telecom, contribute to 2% of all the man-made CO2 emissions in the world. Um, 2%. The mobile part, so far, a factor of 10 is a factor of 10 of that. Oh, no, a, four, 10% of that, so 0.2%. But that doesn't matter. The whole ICT sector, 2% of man-made. But there is a lot that we can do to reduce the 98% by using ICT in a more clever way. And I will not go into the details here, but these are 2007 numbers for different kind of global CO2 emissions, energy supply, industry, and so on, all bit summing up to 50 billion tons of CO2. All this could be reduced some 15 to 20% by using ICT in a smart way. So if you, if your load to the environment is two percent, but you can help reducing twenty in the other ninety-eight, then there's a sort of a factor of ten payback at least by using ICT. A mobile subscription, using your mobile phone for a year, everything that goes into charging your phone, running the base stations, building the base stations, transporting the base stations out to where they are in the nature, all that. If you sum that all up, for that CO two. For your annual subscription, you can drive your car for 45 minutes. Then you have to say, have I ever those in the room that have saved 45 minutes in a year thanks to the mobile phone? Hands up. Everybody has done that. Even if you include the time that you forgot your mobile home at home and had to go back and get it, you still save more than 45 minutes thanks to your mobile phone in a year. So what are we doing? Well, to support all this, we need I talk about two things. We need more pipes and we need smarter pipes. And this is the way it looks today to a large extent. We have a micro base station and we reach mobile phones in different, different places, outdoor and indoor. Now with the 50 billion connected devices, there will be lots of devices everywhere. You have uh, PCs, video cameras, smart meters, your car, your toothbrush, everything. And they will all have to reach the cloud. So you will have to build more dense networks outdoors, pico base stations that sort of integrate with the micro base stations. And so you have, because the capacity basically com comes per base station. So that's one way to introduce capacity by putting out more and more base stations. Then you have to connect to the home uh, with the residential gateway. Use Wi-Fi in the home, because that's already there. And especially we need that for the high definition TV screen there. Then we have to introduce a smarter pipe, and that is to combine what we're doing, the access, with the edge. And we have, the, this is an architectural network. You have the wireless access in the top, you have the fixed access in the bottom there. And then you have the edge of the network where you sort of take in the traffic before you bring it into the core of the network. Here there's a convergence happening. You're bringing in both the fixed and the mobile traffic to the same space. I can do intelligence things by looking at what is this? Is this voice? Is this TV? Is this something I could do something with? Should I give it priority or so? 
Then you have released the same services, regardless of what device you have. You have different devices that you can do the same thing with. You can watch TV, browse, and so on. So there's convergence happening everywhere. And then we have this multi-access, not really convergence, but you, you want to be able to use your Wi-Fi at home and your 3G, 4G when you're out. And you have to handle that in an intelligent way. So one thing we are doing a, a lot work with is to optimize across the access and the edge. And why is this important? Because that increases the efficiency, but it also makes it possible to watch what is going on. And this will lead too long in this discussion now, but this, of course, has the bearings on, on, on uh, net neutrality. But also, if you discuss in China, instead of blocking web pages, you can sort of just maybe block a certain kind of traffic instead of blocking the whole page. I mean, it's like in, in, in the normal world, maybe you won't, don't allow some per people into your country because you look at their passports. You don't have to block everybody from the country and say nobody from that country. That is a little bit what you do when you block the whole web page. So you can be more intelligent about this. That, of course, you can do in, by having intelligence in the edge. And then optimize across the, the access. And this whole space is a lot of work that we can do to optimize and create smart pipes. Because I sometimes say smartphones require smart pipes. That's the way to create efficiency in the network. Then we have all these connected devices. They will be of all different kinds. There will be the online homes, where all the things you have, your fridge, your toothbrush, and everything. And then you have the industry and society, different ways of handling uh, transport and so on, smart utilities, personal network, everything, 50 billion devices. And, and when we look at back in 2020, we would think that 50 billion, how could you think it that would be that little? It will be a lot more, I think. Everything that can benefit from being connected will be connected. So, key messages and summary. The people in China will reach the world and the cloud through smartphones. Of course, not only in China, everywhere will be like that. But especially here where we have, this is one quarter of the world's population. And not so high build out of fixed yet as we have in, in North America. So it will be much more mobile and wireless build out there. So this is the way you will reach it. The cloud is in the air and you just stick your smartphone in the air and then you have it. Secondly, the dominating standards will dominate. That's sort of, you cannot differentiate by taking a different technology. That will not help. It's like coming up with a different fuel for cars. Just even that, if it's a little bit better, you have to change all, all the fuel stations in the whole country. That's why you, you sort of you stick to one thing. And that one is LTE for, for 4G. And that came out this morning also in an FCC report I saw. That said that all the roads from 3G to 4G leads to LTE. And we are on our way towards 50 billion connected devices by 2020. Anything benefiting from being connected will be connected. And that will be especially true, I believe, in, in China, where you will have through connected through, through wireless. Okay, then I made it. There was been some people standing in the corner showing me slides, five minutes, two minutes. And I finished before no minutes. <laughs> okay. Thank you.
For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.